Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. And welcome to episode 101 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the Daikaiju Discussion episode for January 2014. We are talking about the 1980 film Gamera Super Monster on this crazy episode, because <laughs> this is a crazy movie. Uh, we have a lot of really cool stuff coming up in this episode. We have the discussion, of course. We have some great news, including some tiny tidbits on the new Godzilla film and some things for older fans of the older kaiju films as well. Uh, plus, a new segment and an update to the kaiju core. Uh, but we do, of course, have some requests, as we always do. And actually, the cool thing about... Uh, the request this month is we got a ton of them in. I don't know if it was the live show or what, but basically uh, we're going to start things off with the Surf Coasters Ultra Q theme, and that was specifically requested by Scott Martin during the live show, but I didn't get to it because we already had uh, musical plans for that particular time. And then after that, we are going to play King of the Monsters from Man or Astro Man.
right. Like I said, that was the Ultra Q theme from the Surf Coasters requested by Scott Martin of Hilltown Kaiju and the Kaiju Bros. Uh, what I don't think I did say is that Steve requested King of the Monsters by Man or Astro Man. That's an awesome little surf rock kaiju themed break there for us. Uh, but once again, class, it is time for our Dai Kaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju Cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we are scraping the barrel, the bottom of the barrel, and watching one of the most face-palmy kaiju films ever produced. The film that Daie was hoping would pull them out of bankruptcy, and the Godzilla's Revenge of the Gamera series. This month, we endure Gamera the Super Monster. That's right, it's Lilo me, that gal full of wit that makes you want to ship out to Guam. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. A little sailor humor there. (laughs) And yes, by golly, we are shipping out this week here on Movie Macabre. Shipping out to that land of compact cars and sushi bars, of reptiles that fly and actors that can't keep their mouths in sync with what they're saying. Japan! The movie's called... Gamera Super Monster, and if you think Godzilla was a killer, just wait till you lay eyes on Gammy, baby. <laughs> right after these words of worth from the advertisers, it's lights, Gamera action. Well, maybe you can forget the lights, and well, for that matter, forget the action too. But we do have Gamera, and he is one super duper monster, and he's coming your way right after. So stay glued, darling. We'll be right back. Complete with the gong. <laughs> so we just finished watching uh, Gamera Super Monster or Super Monster Gamera or Uchu Kaiju Gamera, which means Space Monster Gamera. And uh, I am joined here in the Kaiju Cast HQ by Brian Cook. Hey, how's it going? And Rachel Cook. Hi there. Cindy Okimoto's back. Hello, everybody. And the last from the past, Tiger Yount, my son, is with us as well. Hello. Hello. And uh, so let's just get right down to it. Who has not seen this mil- movie before? I've never seen it. Okay. Same here. All right. And uh, then you guys, yeah, Cindy, you've seen it. And Tiger, I yes. know you've seen it. <laughs> Tiger had an amazing uh, recollection of seeing this film. I He kept saying, oh, yeah, here we go. Here's the next cameo. Like, and saying things like that before right before it would happen i was like i cannot believe that this movie made such an impression on you well it just feels really out of place because like um well you see like anime and like just all this weird like battleship yamato stuff and i just always remember that as just being really really weird it is really really weird but let's uh let's get some initial thoughts from the people who hadn't seen it before 
Let's start with Brian. Oh, uh, <laughs> my initial thoughts. It was fun because I haven't seen a, a Showa Gamera movie in a while. And this, you know, showed a little bit of everyone. And uh, that was pretty fun. Um, and it was weird to see a kaiju movie I've never seen. There's only about five or six that I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah. So it was cool. Yeah, this is... Uh... <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it many times. Oh, not many times. I've seen it several times. But uh, this was like one of the. I think it was the last Gamera movie that I needed to buy before I had them all. And then, um, uh, funny, funny thing, I have a digital version of this film. I have three different DVDs of this film now because I actually bought. Uh, not just the Shout Factory, Gamera vs. Zegra, Gamera Super Monster 2 pack, but I bought like a bootleg version of it like ages ago when I was like, no one is ever going to release that on DVD. And, um, because Elvira was at, uh, Wizard World's Portland Comic Con, I bought the Elvira version of Gamera Super Monster. So too many DVDs uh, in my collection of that film. So. <laughs> One lucky co-host tonight might take home my bootleg version. <laughs> uh, what about you, Rachel? You had never seen this before. Right. I thought it was fun, too. Um, it actually reminded me of Ultraman, maybe because of Gamera's vast rogue gallery that you get to see a little bit of each of. But it was, it was, it was a good time. I, I was, I had heard a lot about that. The main thing I had heard about this film was the vast amount of stock footage. However, me not seeing a lot of the previous Gamera films, I didn't know what was stock footage and what wasn't other than the fact that it was obviously different versions of Gamera that you saw. Yeah, all of it so, essentially yeah, is the answer so. there. All of it was stock <laughs> footage. Like basically anytime one of the monsters showed up that wasn't wasn't Gamera, it was stock mm-hmm. footage. Yeah. Yeah. So Cindy, like when was the last time you saw this film? Uh probably years ago. And I remember why now that I haven't seen it since then. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> Tiger, you've seen it uh, how many times before tonight? I've have only seen, seen it, it once. Just basically. the one time, okay. I had the feeling where when I first saw it, I said, this movie is terrible. And then when I saw it again, I said, this movie is terrible. So. Right on, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely terrible. So I guess the question I have for, for you guys is, uh, where would you rank this? On the grand scale of all kaiju movies that you've seen, I know it can't be towards the top. Oh boy! <laughs> wow. So a lot of people tend to give a lot of uh, you know negative points to get uh, to Godzilla's Revenge, <laughs> but this to me is definitely not nearly as fun. Not even the same real ballpark (laughs) as Godzilla's Revenge. I would actually, I would defend Godzilla's Revenge for what it is. Yeah. It it actually accomplishes its goal in a weird way, but this was not on that level of fun. I would rank this one pretty low. I mean, it was fun to watch for sure, but uh, definitely one of those movies that's more fun to watch with people when you can sort of rag on it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so what did you guys like about this film? What was your, uh, what, what was your favorite part about the movie? Absolutely nothing. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You can have that as a response. What about you, Cindy? Uh, seeing all the different villain monsters again, all one after the other. Yeah. Okay. And seeing the little anime things that Tiger pointed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you, let me actually, I, there's some things I would actually like to say about that. Cause I asked in my, uh, normally I research these movies a little bit when, when we watch them, it's, you know, it's, I feel like it's my job to bring a little bit of knowledge to, uh, to the forefront here so we can talk about it in an informed way. But this movie has very little, uh, research or very little, uh, literally, uh, literally, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, literature about it, at least that I can find. I'm sure there's some G fan article somewhere that I don't right. own. Um, or maybe I do own and I just couldn't find it. But, you know, this movie was, uh, was made in 1980 and yes, recycled so much stock footage. Uh, and in fact, this is so much, so much stock footage that I wouldn't even really count it as stock footage. They are lifting major fights and major portions of other films that they're not just like well maybe a little bit of destruction sequence here and we'll insert it into the film and maybe nobody will notice this is like (laughs) full-blown like what can we reuse and uh and you know without having to shoot new footage and it's like hey why don't we just uh weave all of the existing fights into one tale and i you know i gotta say the goal was pretty much met. The story might not be very good, but they did it, and it it is a story. You could say that about it. <laughs> it is a story. It is a story. There's not. It's not it's really. I, there's not a lot of good things I could say about this. What about you, Rachel? I liked the. I enjoy space women. I their <laughs> outfits and their little moves. They were awesome. <laughs> Uh, I love female superheroes, and I thought that was ridiculously awesome, um, in a very cheesy kind of way, of course. But I, I dug it. I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's all comedy. of the Gamera movies. It is. Are yeah, fun. you got to look at it as a comedy. I yeah. agree. Yeah, Brian, anything stand out to you as being like incredibly amazing? <clears throat> well, uh, Xanon, is that the alien uh, spaceship? Yeah, the Xenon yeah. spaceship, yeah. That was a really cool spaceship. I've never seen anything like that. I don't, you guys were ripping on it. <laughs> You've never, <laughs> really? never seen anything like it yeah. ever? It was totally original and cool. Especially so. the opening shot of it. I know, it. where yeah, it goes over the camera. Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. What a, yeah. What a great so creative, original. Original concept. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess for me, like my favorite, uh, my favorite aspect of this was the, the fact that they, it was more about the, the fact that they created this, this story that they didn't have to shoot any real special effects stuff with. I mean, they did. Technically, they shot special effects footage with that ship, mm-hmm. but you know, clearly all they did was shoot the ship against a, you know, either a star background or a blue screen because the only real action that that ship does is uh, shown in the very beginning of the film in a series of still images of paintings, you know? So yeah. I, I just really, I appreciate it from the standpoint of like, I'm sure they were like, because if you did, if you didn't know, Dye was bankrupt at this point. So this was like sort of a, Last, it's as far as I understand, this is a last ditch effort to try and bring the company back into, uh, into the black with no such luck because it did not do well. 
And uh, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know how they eventually in the '90s came back for the for the Gamera revival, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just I like the this is kind of like um, Godzilla raids again, and some of the other films where I'm like, yeah, the the story behind the film is more interesting than the actual film itself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, who hated something? Who wanted? To, who wants to talk about something <laughs> that was just that really bugged you or really? did not sit well with you. Well, the stock footage really kind of bothered me, I guess. Like, it, there was just way too much of it. And it just really felt like um, you wanted to watch, like, those movies instead of this one. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to watch this movie. I want to watch Gamera vs. Barugon. Yeah, definitely would rather watch Gamera vs. Giron than watch this this film. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it came up on the list. Yeah, what, anybody else? I could go for more organ playing. I don't know about you guys, but um, I think it's inspiring and might take some lessons. Was Yamaha yeah. in that list of like uh, yeah. sponsors right. of the movie? Yeah, we yeah. noticed that Mazda was in the in the credits there. Yeah, mm. provided all the cars provided by Mazda. I don't think van. they actually destroyed that van though. That what? was probably that just... wasn't a practical effect. Well, I think it. <laughs> Doesn't that count as a practical effect? <laughs> it's an optical effect, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Optical illusion. Optical illusion. Yeah. The uh the, <laughs> the I love the smoking remains when they yeah. destroy yeah. the car. Uh I guess actually uh something I didn't mention for favorite part of the movie was when the lady this one of the space women, good space women changes while she's driving in the middle of the freeway she like gets out of her car during rush hour traffic and then disappears and the guy behind her is like i gotta stop working so hard (laughs) it should be said should be noted that we watched the japanese uh language version with the english subtitles and it was actually kind of cool to see the original actors uh and hear their original voices their actual voices i should say uh, anyone else ha- want to hate on the film for a little bit? I just wish I could have known what the lyrics were to the Gamera March. That song. would be awesome. That was frustrating. I, you know, could have lo- loved some subtitles on that. Uh, so. If I find them before I post the podcast, I will put them into the episode. But uh, I don't think. I mean, aside from the version I'm going to play at the end of the episode, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to be able to find them. I'll I'll keep looking them. I think the one thing I noticed was that the only new shot they filmed of Gamera was him flying. Like, they didn't take any still shots where he was on the ground. It was just him flying. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just uh, a what did I I called it a poorly executed puppet on the uh, Shrine of Gamera review that I did for this film. And it's not that it's that poor of a puppet, but you're right. It's just that it's the flying mode. He's and I'm pretty sure that it was, it might not have even been like a hand operating it. And it might have just been like, we're going to turn this on and his <laughs> mouth is going to open. Yeah. And it, cause I don't even think his arms really moved either. It's just kind of his mouth opening. So well, I think what kills it is it looks like it's shot on like video almost. It's really terrible film quality. So I would imagine that they were like scrounging for film yeah, stock at, right. the, at the time. Yeah. That's probably where Mazda came in. Like they just gave, yeah. him, just, just gave him a camera. Yeah. Well, the, um, uh, this so this film was released uh, as part of Shout Factory's big Gamera series that they did a few years ago, and it's I mean it, I'm glad to have it at least, it, and it's at least partnered with Gamera versus Zegra, which we found out 
was the last real Gamera film <laughs> in the Showa era. Uh, it's just such a bizarre entry into the giant monster landscape. You almost, I could say, I could almost say you could get away with not seeing it at all. Or, or it's one of those movies that you, you kind of have to see. You have to see what rock bottom looks like yeah. so that you can really appreciate things like Godzilla versus Megalon or Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. <laughs> but it's definitely a, uh, a rough entry into, and it also details, I mean, in a sense, it sort of details a pretty, pretty damning, like, era for Japanese cinema because this is, um, you know, you hear me talk about it a lot. Like, the 60s were great. The 70s, that's where everything started to tank. But we don't have a lot of movies from the 80s. I mean, we have Gamera Super Monster. We have Godzilla Returns and, you know, from 1984. And we have, uh, Godzilla vs. Biollante. The 80s did not yield a lot of, a lot of kaiju films. And most of them took place after most of them, two of them took place after 1985 or 1984. So, there's really there's there's almost no sort of like uh benchmark to hit. I mean, this is just it's and I do enjoy the film for what it is, but it's it's sad is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's a it's just kind of like wow, this is how bad things were for Daie. And because there were only two other films, two other kaiju films made in the 80s, things were just kind of it seems kind of bleak in general for yeah. For kaiju, uh, kaiju film history. Well, and for Japanese film in, in Japanese film for that entire era, the, the money for everything, not just kaiju related, was kind of dry. Yeah. So if you look at, uh, how many Japanese films get made from the sixties or actually from post world war two forward, the sixties is very prolific. The seventies, it peters out. And then by the eighties, a lot of companies are really hit hard. So the Japanese film industry definitely took a nosedive around that time period. So So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you something that I could just as well look up, which I'm probably going to do. When did Kurosawa have his big comeback? Um, well, he released Kagemusha in, uh, the eighties and Ron is 85. I think Kagemusha is 80. And, uh, he actually had a very bad period in the seventies. He went from, uh, directing many films in the sixties to in the seventies and eighties, his films drop down. He does like two in the seventies. Um, and then he kind of has a resurgence, uh, through Kage Musha in the eighties. Yeah. It looks like, uh, 1975. Uh, That's it's Durzu. just, no, actually it's just a screenplay. So. Durzu Uzala seventy. Yeah, yeah. There's uh basically screenplays. And Dodeskadan uh, is I think seventy, and that's it for his output in the seventies. Yeah, so. and then nineteen uh eighty, you're exactly right, Kangamusha, and then Ron in eighty five, Runaway I'm, Train, another I'm a huge screenplay. Nerd, dude. No, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm very glad that you knew that, you know. Congratulations, mm. you've won this episode of Geek Trivia. Mm, I know all the years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad to have you on board for this episode. Yeah, but so clearly the uh, Japanese cinema was was fully in the toilet at this point in history. In fact, Derzu Uzala is a Russian production. Kurosawa just left Japan, period, and made that movie in Russia. Oh, really? So he went there. It's a Russian language film as well. Is it any good? 
I've never seen it. It's the only one I've never seen. My friend uh, Aaron would kill me over this. I've had it in my collection for years. I've never watched it, and he angrily points at it in my DVD collection. So, Okay, well, uh, in my d- desperate attempt to locate any information about Gamera Super Monster, bringing it back to Giant Monsters, mm-hmm. uh, I did ask Mr. August Ragoni, the author of Age of Superia, Master of Monsters, which will be getting re-released uh, in April, I believe, uh, I did ha- ask him a few things about this, you know. Hopefully, I was, I was, uh, I was hoping that he had like a commentary that he re- he had recorded that he could send to me. But alas, I just had to go about like asking certain questions. And so here's here's a a little bit of information that I have to drop on you guys. Um, and I'm literally just reading it straight from his messages. Um, after the founder of Tokuma Shoten. Yasuyu, well, oh my gosh, Yasuyoshi Tokuma, he purchased Daie because, uh, he loved Daie's movies. He planned to return their most beloved characters to the big screen. Of course, producing a tokusatsu film would be expensive. So in bringing back Gamera, they would have to work with a small budget, but had access to all the footage from previous films. And it was planned to be made as a parody of the movies aimed squarely at Tykes little kids, and mock a number of popular films, both new and old. Hence the reason we got some of that weird footage in there. Yeah. Uh, specifically riffing on Superman the motion picture, which was 77, as Brian mentioned, during the film. Uh, the clip from Galaxy Express, which was the train, for anybody who's not familiar with Galaxy Express, uh, 999, I guess, is the is the full information there. Uh, it was because the first feature film was a top off, uh, top box office hit of 1979, and the publishing rights for that film were under the Tokuma Shoten banner. Um, the clip from uh, the short clip, the dream sequence with the space battleship Yamato, that it says the clip from Farewell Space Battleship Yamato was due to the same deal. The feature film was a big box office hit of 1978, which also spawned a television series. And in 1979, there was a TV movie, Yamato, The New Voyage, which was the lead in big feature film that was released in late, uh, later in 1980, Be Forever Yamato. Uh, the ray gun that Kirara uses in the film is a modified Cosmo gun, uh, or modified Cosmo gun toy from Yamato. <laughs> if, if that's uh if he that's if awesome. he recalls correctly uh and uh one of the obvious movie references is when the kid is running after Gamera and calling to him and uh August says that it is based on the the finale of the famous American western Shane come back Shane come back from 1953 uh by George Stevens and yeah man so when Gamera fades into space with the long pause before the explosion, he says that is straight out of Farewell to Space Battleship Yamato from 1978. In the animated film, the Yamato pursues the enemy Dreadnought on a suicide run and fades from view. Long pause, explosion, silence, roll credits. Uh, yeah, so there you go, man. That's the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the information that we do have on, on Gamera Super Monster. Um, do you guys have any, uh, anything else you want to add about the film? 
I'll mention that, you know, we did point out several times during the movie that the parenting of this child <laughs> was a little lacking. Right. But <laughs> letting him talk to strangers, hang out with strangers, become friends with bad and good space women. Yeah, Japan Japan's a very very different place. Him. I mean, this it goes without saying, but Japan is a very different place than America. Um in many, many, many respects. But for kids especially um, you know, like Tiger here is 15 years old and, Correct. and when I told my father that we let him ride our public transportation by himself, my father got really concerned and I was like, well, what's the problem when we were, when we lived in Japan, when I was his age, 14 years old, 13 years old, uh, and, and Hong Kong as well. I was like, we got to go anywhere we wanted on public transportation by ourselves. It was no big deal. And my dad's response to that was like, oh, well, Japan's, you know, just very safe. It's a very safe place to be. And when Lady Kyle and I were in Japan, like one day we're walking through the subway because when uh, when we were leaving our hotel to get to the train station, uh, we actually went underground through on uh, a train station entrance, you know, and you'd have to walk maybe about five, ten minutes before you hit the like legit train station through this area with shops and, and escalators and so forth. Totally one day walking down and just this, this little kid who is like the same age as like uh, Kenichi mm-hmm. or, or Ichiro from Godzilla's Revenge, like just trucking along with this backpack by himself. <laughs> and I was like, there you go, Japan, <laughs> you know, Japan safe. And, you know, looking at Godzilla's Revenge. Where those kids are essentially walking by themselves through traffic, you know, just this long trek, potentially from school to school, through abandoned warehouses, you know, <laughs> that's fighting just, gangsters. Yeah, you know, Down this dark alleys. I guess that's just what it's like to live in Japan, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The but seriously, like, it's not nearly as dangerous. And uh, I will, I will agree with you that. Sure, maybe finding strange women in the bed of your of your small child (laughs) (laughs) might not seem weird to a Japanese person, but to hear us here in America, (laughs) it's a little strange. I did have something else here from Mr. Rigoni. He did say that the Japanese title is Space Monster Gamera uh, or Gamera the Space Monster. But to capitalize on the popular anime at the time, uh, that's uh, that's why it was Space Monster Gamera, sorry. So to capitalize on the anime. But when Gamera was first marketed to foreign territories, they referenced Gamera as a super monster. So that is where the American title Gamera Super Monster came from. So big thanks to August Rigoni, author of Eiji Tsuburaya, monster, Master of Monsters. So I almost screwed that up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, final thoughts, I guess, is what I would go for here. It's not a super long discussion, to be perfectly honest. I don't really feel like there's a, there's a lot of depth to, to reach for here. Um, but yeah, who wants to go for final thoughts? Tiger. This movie is bad, but it can be fun if you watch it with your friends. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Watch it with your friends. Uh, Cindy. Uh, definitely watch it with your friends. Uh, however, I would not suggest subjecting to any any of your friends who have not watched Kaiju to this film right off the bat. You might turn them off forever. Yeah. Yeah. Now I really need to go watch one of the newer Gamera films, oh, which I man. have on DVD. <laughs> that would be hilarious. 
No, don't leave yet. We gotta watch camera versus <laughs> camera versus Iris. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone's gone now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rachel. Um, I would say yeah. It's it was a blast watching with all of you guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, just like Tiger said, watch with your friends for sure. By yourself, probably fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would actually uh, go even so far as to say, like, make sure you buy, like, the decent quality version. And, you know, that way you can also uh, have Gamera versus Zegra on there <laughs> as well. You know, <laughs> so you're not just spending a lot of money on a on what is legitimately a bad film. Brian, final uh, thoughts. I got to admit, I honestly liked it a lot more than I thought I was. Uh, cool. I'd always heard terrible things about it. And, uh. There was a, uh, a, a an opinion that went around that Godzilla's revenge was terrible and this was terrible in the same vein. And, uh, you know, I defend Godzilla's revenge. I wouldn't defend this one, mm-hmm. um, but for a bad movie, it was fun. You know, seeing it with everyone, yeah. it, was, it was a lot of laughs. And uh, when a bad movie is bad, that is unbearable. But this was a bad movie that was fun. Is so. it so bad it comes around to good again a little I bit? I guess so. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it had fun moments. Uh, and hearing that it was like a parody for kids, that totally made it made, make sense. Like, I can see that's what they were trying to go for. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I my final thoughts on the film is I, I appreciate this for what it is. Just like I said earlier, like, the story behind its creation is more interesting the film than the film itself. The film is fairly drecky, you know. It's just like, ugh, is this? It does this count as in entertainment? And it <laughs> it does in a sense, you know. They they did what they could, you know. I say that a lot about the films from the '60s and the '70s. You know, they even though we we uh, tend to think of like the '60s as Oh yeah, this is the the heyday of uh, Japanese cinema. There's still some bad effects, and you you know you just have to say, you know, they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. It's not like they they cheaped out on it, and I'm sure that the guys who made Gamera Super Monster did the best they could with what they had. They just oh, yeah. the well was dry. They couldn't do anything yeah. anything more. And the fact that they did lift entire sequences, and they just said, you know what? This is it. We're just going to put this fight between Gamera and Baragon in this film just yeah. as is. Who cares if it's nighttime and it was daytime <laughs> two minutes ago? That's just the way it is. Uh, I absolutely would not show this film to someone as their first kaiju film. Uh, this is probably in the, in the realm of the last films I would ever show someone, uh, kaiju fan or not, uh, which is why we're closing down the Daikaiju discussions forever. No more. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. Uh, but I, I will, uh, I will say that while we were watching this, I distinctly thought drunken commentary. This is going <laughs> to probably come in on the drunken commentary when Sweet. we, uh, at least schedule yeah. that stuff. But man, whoo, rough one. We, we got an inordinate amount of homework in for this film. And I think it's due to one of our listeners, Earn, uh, pointing out that you could actually watch this on Hulu for free. So, oh. here you go. I said, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Seriously. We have to record this, too. We actually hit stop, and then we I, we started talking more, so I had to I keep going. Uh, Gamera Super Monster is a film that I can forgive because, in you know, they did the best they could. But a movie like Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla... 
even though I loved some aspects of it, I cannot forgive it because they didn't do the best. This is a, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla is one of those films where it's like, who approved that? You know, who said that is good? That's a good thing to do. Where Gamera versus uh, Gamera Super Monster, you know, Space Monster Gamera is, yeah, what can we do with what we have? And, you know, that's why I. My God, I have more respect for Gamera Super Monster than I do for Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. <laughs> and then, weird. Cindy, you started telling a story about uh, when you started watching it with uh, with Howard. Right, that the scene where Space Godzilla is heading towards Earth, he actually turned to me and asked me, does that look like one of your vinyl figures hung up with fishing wire flying past uh, styrofoam asteroids? And I had to tell him, yeah, that really is kind of what it looks like. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, for me, that's... Uh, defending the films we all have to defend these films every once in a while right i mean everybody at one point i'm sure even the people listening have gotten that oh godzilla films like i have a buddy right now good friend of mine who every once in a while comes up to me and he's like he sees me working on something kaiju related and he's like i just don't get it <laughs> and i'm like you know what man it's okay that you don't get it you don't have to get it he's like but i want to understand why you like it so much i'm like i don't think that you really do yeah. you know so like i you know i i run, <laughs> I run a podcast about this I've been doing it for so long that most of my friends just like accept it and you're like hey yeah, kyle he loves those godzilla movies but uh yeah every once in a while i still have to defend it and i could I would proudly defend this movie if somebody, hypothetically speaking, was like, hey, man, I saw this movie, Gamera Super Monster, on TV, and I watched about 15 minutes of it, and I was like, what the heck was that? Then I would I would be able to say, oh, well, this was made when the company was completely bankrupt, couldn't do anything. They were purchased by another by a magazine company, and... They basically looked at all all of their stuff that they had and said, what can we do without spending a ton of money? I would love to know the budget on this, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, how much did they actually spend on it? Uh, how much was kicked in by Mazda and, right. you know, any <laughs> the organ companies? And, you know, <laughs> basically figure out, like, how how was this movie made for, you know, and how much was it made for? Because I just, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that somebody... Sure, you know, you know, I guess you could say that this movie doesn't do anything for the franchise. You know, it doesn't, there's no, you could erase it from the history of Gamera and it wouldn't, it would have zero effect on it except, right. you know, TBS and MTV wouldn't have been able to play it, you know, <laughs> in some sort of rotation. But I don't know, I, I could at least defend it and that's, uh, I'd say that's worthy of something. It kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know why it reminds me of Megiris, um, because when I saw, I rewatched Megiris, and, like, the effects are kind of bad in that movie. Like, I think I remember I saw, like, there's one scene where, like, Megiris flies through Tokyo. You can see the strings. And that yeah. movie was made in, like, 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, like, and that's another one, you know? Megiris, like, I love the first half of that film, but once the actual monster shows up, it gets deplorably bad, and the effects are, you're right, the effects are bad in that film, and I, I don't want to turn this into a giant, like, let's talk about all the Godzilla <laughs> movies that suck for one reason or another, but, like, 
you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to look at that and go, you know, toe the company line to say, oh yeah, yeah, love Godzilla versus Megaguirus, uh, because yeah, I can't, I don't love that movie. I there are things I love about it, and there are reasons why Godzilla x Megaguirus is sort of in the uh, it, it sort of embodies the you know what I love about Godzilla movies because it's got some elements in it, but. It just wrecks that train, you know, halfway or three quarters of the way into the film. Uh, Gamera Super Monster, at least, you know, at least it was sort of like this farewell booyah before. (laughs) Yeah, your expectation is totally different. Like using the Space Godzilla uh, uh, example that we did earlier, falling between Mechagodzilla and before Destroya, you expect a lot out of Space Godzilla. And it it doesn't uh, cash in on that, and I don't think anyone expected Gamma Super Monster to be, you know, yeah, a big movie or anything like that. So. Well, no, I think that they they were trying. That's what August was saying oh. was that the 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 magazine, the guy who wrote or not the guy who wrote the magazine, but the uh, the guy who was in charge of the magazine company, Shoten Publishing, I think mm-hmm. it was. Uh, th- this was his idea, like you know, to like let's get die out of bankruptcy let's bring these you know bring back the popular characters let's also you know include all these other things basically uh the the last ditch efforts the 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 desperation that you can smell on this film you know like that's what like let's do anything we can guys to make to to bring things back to what they were and it just wasn't in the cards and uh, it's it's unfortunate but I mean, and seriously, what we were talking about earlier with the, the '80s, just no bueno, mm-hmm. no bueno. Uh, anyway, sorry, I just had to. We started talking again, and I was like, "Why am I not recording this?" So I just didn't <laughs> record. Uh, having said that, uh, it's homework time. We got in way more homework than I thought we would, which is awesome. Uh, the first one that we will be dealing with comes from one of the Kaiju Core Colonels, Andy Campbell of the Kaiju 101 podcast. So when I was talking about this movie on the show last week, I had mentioned, you know, the the van turning into the spaceship when she plays her Casio keyboard, but I hadn't seen this movie in a few years, and I forgot how truly crazy this movie is. You know, forget the van, spaceship thing, you've got these weird animated dream sequences, you've got the choreographed dance transformations into their spacesuits, you've got Keiichi insanely singing his Gamera March on the organ... But I think the craziest thing about this movie is Keiichi's just total lack of self-preservation. You know, if there's ever an amber alert for this kid, forget it. I'm not calling it in. He's had so many warnings, so many red flags. He just starts hanging out in these strange women's apartment. He goes out for burgers with the woman he had just met just to talk about Gamera. At one point in the movie, the the lead space woman literally lures him out at night to her van which is, of course, windowless. And then the bad space woman ends up in his bed, at which point his mom walks in on them. So clearly she's no great influence either. You know, I have a theory about this movie, and that's none of the Gamera stuff is actually happening. This is all a ruse by the quote-unquote space women to kidnap the kid. I mean, think about it. None of the adults in the movie seem to be aware that there's a giant spaceship orbiting Earth, or that Gamera is fighting monsters all over the country. And we see that Gamera and Godzilla both exist 
in comic book form, and presumably in their movies already. The events of the movie are obviously fabricated by these space women to, I don't know, kidnap the kid, but God, why would you want to? He's just going to sing that stupid song the entire time. This movie is just terrible. It's awful. But if it does have one redeeming feature, and it's one, and it's very small, is that if you wanted to, this movie is so stuffed full of stock footage, you could just skip all the other Gamera movies. Which, considering how terrible some of those are, maybe that's a good thing. All right. Big thanks to Andy for uh, for submitting his homework, and uh, big thanks to everyone else who I'm about to read solo by myself. Uh, Remy thinks that the Showa-era Gamera has always been the pinnacle of lazy kaiju movies, combining his least favorite aspects of the 70s film Monster X fights Monster Y, while the children cheer for their chosen monster. And in a lot of ways, Gamera the Super Monster is the film embodiment of the laziness and creative bankruptcy rampant in the late Showa era. A nonsense plot involving aliens that look like ordinary people, a small, annoying child as the protagonist, and a heavy, heavy dose of recycled footage. Despite being cheap and slapdash as a production, Remy still found himself enjoying the film in fits and spurts. As obnoxious as the kinny of this film can be, he does have his moments, and he actually acts like a kid, especially in the first act. It was genuinely adorable when he went on about being able to talk to his turtle, and only he can hear him talk back. The bizarre dream sequence where Gamera and the space battleship Yamato definitely seemed like a dream a kid would have. It was kind of fun to see the kids huddled around the latest issue of Shonen Jump, debating who would be the champion in Ultimate Muscle. The biggest pro about this movie is it's also its greatest weakness. The heaping helpings of stock footage from literally every show of Gamera, even cleverly sneaking in the black and white footage from the first film via an old television. This film is a unique sort of kaiju film in that the majority of it is recycled footage stitched together into a pretty successful new plot. The simplistic bad aliens and evil kaiju versus good aliens and Gamera is a perfectly serviceable framing device. It's goofy and campy, but at least it provides a reasonably sensible framework to reintroduce all these old monster fights. Just using the battles makes the film considerably snappier than Gamera's previous films, and the pace is fairly brisk, since you pretty much just move from fight to fight. Watching the monsters fight is pretty much the backbone for any good kaiju movie, and this has plenty of it. However, this is also the movie's biggest failing. If you're familiar with the fights, what's left? The characters are paper-thin, as is the plot. Remy doesn't actually think that this is a terrible movie to show someone who is unfamiliar with the Showa-era Gamera movies. Obviously, whoever you show this to would need some appreciation for camp or cheese. But if they have that appreciation, this movie has cheese and camp in spades. If you look at this film as more of a clip show, or even as Gamera's greatest hits, rather than a new movie, he doesn't think that this is really all that bad. Also, how can you not love the hilarious, please don't sue us, this totally isn't a Star Destroyer evil spaceship, or the hilarious transformation of the good aliens into a flying superhero that uh, in no way, shape, or form resembles Superman at all. Remy is half surprised they didn't manage to shoe in some sort of great white shark to menace Tokyo just to round out the blatant 70s blockbuster ripoffs. From the hilarious teleporting van to the inexplicable way the aliens use electric keyboards to operate their alien tech, the hilarity of the wraparound segment actually elevates this movie to something of a minor cult classic in the same vein as Troll 2. 
As a side note, the lead super alien Kilara is easily one of the strongest female characters in any kaiju film. So that's pretty cool. And who could forget the hard left turn when Kenny's mom adopts the full-grown evil alien woman that is sleeping in her son's bed as his sister. Remy doesn't know if this movie was an appropriate end to the Showa-era Gamera movies, but it certainly is an end. Mike says that one really has to hand it to Noriaka Yuasa and the rest of the makers of Gamera Super Monster. At some point during the production, it must have become obvious how the end product would turn out. Personally, Mike would have given up midway through and just bailed, but these troopers stuck it out. Now, that could say something either about their dedication or their naivety, but uh, he's inclined to think it just speaks to the fact that everyone was getting paid. Gamera Super Monsters stock footage from Superior Films is just as good as it was the first time around. If you ignore that the original soundtrack has been replaced, there's an okay martial arts fight between the evil hot pants wearing space woman and the good guy Katie Lang lookalike space woman that would have fit in with any of the Super Sentai or Teribi Tokusatsu shows of the period. And that's it. Those two, those are the two good things about Gamera Super Monster. The movie itself is a monster. A Frankenstein creation cobbled together from the entire series, with seams and stitches more visible than the wires holding up the model airplanes. Everything inexplicably jumps back and forth in terms of clothes, cars, aesthetics from the 1960s to the early 80s, and all points in between at the drop of the editor's blade. To get the full effect, Mike watched the English dub, which sounds like it was recorded through a drive through at a McDonald's into someone's 1970 Mr. Microphone set. The movie doesn't defy logic, it slaughters it outright. Logic never even had a chance. Is all this stuff happening in the real world or not? If so, why does What's-His-Name's mother have such a hard time believing it? The kid even mentions that the newspapers aren't reporting on the monster attacks at one point, and yet his friends seemed quite aware of the events. And then later, we see a news report about Gamera going bad. Mike doesn't even know where to start when it comes to the pet turtle turning into Gamera and the kid's psychic knowledge of the event. Okay, one more point. Dropping pet turtles or any type of pet off in the wilderness because you think they will be happier is not a good idea, ever. One, it is illegal. Two, you don't know if your species is invasive or not. And three, it will probably die because it was raised in an aquarium all its life and probably has no idea how to hunt in the wild. Even a slight variation in water pH level is enough to kill a lot of species. And that is your kaiju public service message for the evening. Steve used to have a VHS tape of this movie, but that bit the dust a long time ago. So it has been a while since he's seen the film. When he first heard about it, he misunderstood how they were using the old clips from the previous films and thought it would be like a documentary. How glad he was to find out that it is indeed a documentary, a documentary of someone's fever dream. It is indeed a hoot and fun escapism for 90 minutes of your life, but wowzers, it can tax your sense of disbelief. Best film ever. No, Danny can't even finish that one. In the long, now 60-year history of the kaiju Ega genre, which has included numerous films and television series, Gamera Super Monster is perhaps the poorest example in the bunch. He's still baffled as to how the twisted but brilliant minds at Mystery Science Theater 3000 never took this film on, as it makes the five Gamera films they riffed on look like Kurosawa's by comparison. 
However, upon watching this film again, Danny realized that the movie does a marvelous job of making fun of itself with no commentary necessary. Still, it was a missed opportunity, and he hopes that someday riff tracks will sink their claws into it. You'd be hard-pressed to find a film in the kaiju genre as baffling and bizarre as this one, and that's saying something. The whole thing plays out like an episode of a TV show where, having little money and few ideas left, the producers put together a best-of clip show to fill the episode's runtime. This usually happens near the end of a show's run when all possible avenues and interesting <laughs> plot points have dried up. And this is exactly what happens with this film. Facing bankruptcy, the once-proud Daiei Studios were reduced to assembling the cheapest and laziest film they could possibly put together. And it shows in every frame. Aside from the abundant and obvious stock footage of Gamera taking on his previous six foes, most of which had already surfaced as stock footage in many of the preceding films, the plot and effects are weak and laughable. The only new Gamera effects were accomplished using a stiff flying puppet with a constantly opening and closing mouth, which always makes him smile. And of course, there's the spaceship Xenon. Danny bets that that effect made those amateurs at ILM jealous, huh? The plot, such as it is, is a unique mix of cheese, randomness, and perplexing elements that will make you question your sanity. The space women come from nowhere and feel incredibly out of place, although they've got some sweet transformation moves. The evil space woman coming to Earth and the plot point of our tiny shorts-wearing hero returning his turtle to the sea are all culled from previous films. But on the other hand, Danny can honestly say this is the only film he's ever seen where the notes on a keyboard can open a space-time portal or make buses fly. That's always a plus. But even with its numerous shortcomings, it's still a fun movie to watch. Danny will always remember seeing it on the big screen at G-Fest a few years ago and laughing his butt off with a room full of like-minded fans. That said, this is the absolute last film he'd suggest to any kaiju newbie, but one that by the skin of its teeth can be enjoyed by fans of the genre. Matt and his dog Ashley note that the Showa era produced truly excellent kaiju movies on occasion, but laid a few eggs along the way. The biggest egg of all contained not Minya, not Mothra, but Gamera Super Monster. Sure, it's a fun movie aimed at a younger audience, but compared to other fare normally for kids, the cheapness and corner-cutting in Gamera Super Monster is tough to get past. Matt was 10 years old when this movie was released, but even at that age, he and his friends could tell that, the movie like, that a movie like this was taking our fandom for granted. On the plus side, the lead actress and former big-time wrestler Mak Fumiyaki and I hope I'm saying that right, gives an enthusiastic performance. Check out YouTube to see her in action in the ring. Matt does think this movie suffers from the extra indignity of having been made in 1980. The music playing throughout the movie sounds like something out of a bad 80s TV show, and the non-practical special effects look pretty bad. Matt had not seen this movie before. In fact, he'd been avoiding it all these years after hearing nothing good about it. The two times he watched it for homework are the only two times he will ever see this film. Herman's main memory of this movie is having seen it on Elvira's movie Macabre when he was a kid. He remembers being happy that there were so many monsters in it. He recorded it on VHS and even watched it repeatedly. His older siblings would tolerate this movie because of the Elvira bits. Even Herman saw the humor. 
She did this one skit where she claimed she could make a more believable monster movie and then proves it by creating her own monster scene from dinosaur toys and Hot Wheels. The highlight is when she mimics the Space Girls' moves from the film. They give her the exact same sound effects, and she does the sort of same goofy cheerleader (laughs) motions. And then her costume changes into an Elvira version of the Space Girl outfit. Much like how the MST3K gang translated the Jet Jaguar song, so does Elvira with the Gamera song from this movie. As an adult, he knows this film is atrocious, but Herman actually thinks it's good for ADD kids because it keeps the kaiju action high and constant. Basically, unless you're a young kid, it's a so-bad-it's-good movie. Ron says that Gamera Super Monster is a lazy movie with its stock footage, alien women, and a boy who cried. He wishes one of the one of the kaiju would have just stepped on that kid. He did think it was funny that Gamera went up against a Star Destroyer from Star Wars and guesses that Daae wanted their own Godzilla's revenge. Why? He has no idea. This movie is not to be shown to a new fan unless you want him to be turned off to kaiju movies. Johnny finally got a chance to watch Gamera Super Monster. And when the stock footage in the film is the only redeeming factor, you're in big trouble. The human story is quite boring and makes no sense whatsoever. The space women aren't interesting characters because they have all these powers but don't use them for a majority of the film. The kid is probably the worst character in the movie, and he's just not a good child actor. And don't get Johnny started on the lame excuse of an ending. The animation they use is extremely bad, even for the 70s and 60s standards. The story also doesn't mix well with the stock footage, which is unfortunate. This film could have been made much better in general, especially given the time between Gamera vs. Zegra and Super Monster. If you've seen all the Showa Gamera films before Super Monster, then you've seen Super Monster. Johnny gives this film a low two Super Monsters out of five. Having previously seen parts of Gamera Super Monster at past G-Fests, Adam finally sat down and watched the entire thing. It's neither good nor bad, just plain boring. You'd think a movie where Gamera had to refight all his past enemies would be better. Unfortunately, the film is just a letdown on all conceivable levels from bad acting, lazy use of stock footage, a horrendous new Gamera theme, and a horrendous dub. Adam did like a few things in this film, Seeing Gamera's fights again and the music that accompanied those fights was actually better than the original music used in those battles. Gamera Super Monster is a fun train wreck movie to watch with your friends, but it is definitely not the greatest movie ever. Paul notes that Showa-era Gamera movies have a certain charm to them. His favorite is Gamera vs. Gauss. Unfortunately, Gamera Super Monster is just a bad TV clip show episode masquerading as a kaiju film. This film seems to be considered one of the worst kaiju films by many, but Urn disagrees and thinks it's one of the best. Take this film as a standalone entry, and it's pretty badass. Gamera faces off against an army of invading monsters, half of which he defeats by sticking a rock or some other object on their head or face. Sticking to the Daikaiju discussion format, Urn had never seen this movie, or if he had, he doesn't remember it, but he liked it in the same way he likes Inframan or Ultraman today after not having grown up on it. He loves the Showa-era Godzilla so he can accept these films and these shows. What Earn liked? Monsters, monsters, monsters! He played the Kaiju 101 Kaiju quality control game and timed it with 30 minutes of monster action in a 91-minute film. 
forget its stock footage and still look at it as a standalone film, and you get to see Gamera fight six monsters, which is pretty sweet. Super Space Ladies. Well, they didn't do anything, but they look smoking hot, so yes. Oh, and a great drinking game, by the way. Drink every time they transform. Bam. The fact that Gamera defeats three out of six foes by jamming a rock or something on their pointy head or face is brilliant. That cat fight, leather shorts under a leather skirt? Yes, please. Urn is ignoring the almost positive fact that it was a male stunt double doing the backflips. Also, Gamera versus Star Blazers. Also, gore. Wow, for films that nobody denies were definitely kids' movies, those Gamera fights are brutal. What Urn didn't like. There's not actually a lot of stuff he didn't like. It's just some crazy stuff in the film. Did the evil space ladies... He didn't catch a single name in this film. Uh, did this evil space lady's gun fire an anti-gravity beam? Gamera's suit to prop size ratio is crazy off. A monster he just stood toe-to-toe with will suddenly be twice Gamera's size. Also, why do the aliens wait until Gamera has defeated four monsters to use their control device? What Urn would change? Maybe make it clear whether Gamera is real or not. Parts of this film have the Godzilla's Revenge feel where it might just be in the Kenny's head, but they watch reports on TV. Other than that, there's never actually evidence that this is really happening. Give the Super Space Ladies some Megazords or something, because they never actually do anything. Would Urn show this to a non-Kaiju fan? Yes, you could introduce someone to this, specifically younger viewers or someone who isn't familiar with a lot of Kaiju films. It could be a fun introduction, like, this is how fun and silly these films can be. Then, go watch the 90s trilogy. Final thoughts. Ern says you should watch this film without thinking of any other Gamera films. Just as a standalone film, it's fun. Oh, and then he asks a question. What did that sign that was obviously Godzilla say on it? Two of the three kanji were the same, but the first is different. Uh, I couldn't actually find anything about that, so I asked Mr. August Tragoni, and he translated it to... Farewell, Dojira, and the text at the bottom of the poster says Big Roadshow at the Shinjuku Izumi-ya Hall. It's definitely a knock on a Godzilla poster. (laughs) Jamie says that Gamera Super Monster does not care if you know it's made from clips from the previous films because Gamera Super Monster wholly embraces its weirdness with a devil-may-care attitude that seems to have come about after the series' first serious movie. This movie is a great way to view nearly all of Gamera's films without having to sit through them. And the miniature work in them showed that they had a team that could give Toho a run for their money. What was also interesting was to watch how Gamera dealt with the monsters in a variety of creative ways, instead of just blasting them all the time like Godzilla would. What really made this movie stand out was the randomness of it all. The good space women with their tokusatsu posing and transformations and awesome Superman-esque costumes. The inserting of Space Battleship Yamato and Galaxy Express 999 clips with the Gamera green screened on top of them and the ripoff of the beginning of Star Wars with their own Star Destroyer. Wow. Not to mention Gamera knocking over a Godzilla movie poster. It all put a big smile on Jamie's face and he doesn't think that he could get this kind of awesome randomness in any other monster movie outside of Gamera. Woo! Big thanks to Cindy, Rachel, and Brian for coming out to watch and discuss the film with me. And a big, big, big thanks to all of the discussioneers for submitting their homework. Our next Daikaiju discussion film is 
Mothra versus Godzilla, aka Godzilla versus the Thing. Now the deadline to turn this in is before February 22nd. This is a super mega popular film, so I kind of expect it to be a record breaker. So do me a favor, please, and don't write a mini novel. I am almost definitely going to have to cut these down to fit everybody in. We are going to play a couple of requests before we get to the news, starting with Mogura versus Space Godzilla number three by Takeyuki Hattori from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. That's for Ben. Then we'll be following that up with The Edge and Yoshinobu Hiraiwa uh, playing Godzilla's theme, which was used in Godzilla Island, the TV show. That is for Danny.
Okay, I just want to say that that uh, extended theme of that song is, I think, longer than an entire episode of Godzilla Island. On to the news! This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so we have some cool stuff to talk about this month, uh, or this episode of the Kaiju Cast, and I'm very excited to, to talk about it. Before I get the excitement out of the way, uh, or I get to the excitement, i got to get the negativity out of the way. Uh, and the only thing I'm going to say about that is I will not be reading the Forbes article or sharing the Forbes article. On to the good stuff. Legendary Pictures has announced a graphic novel for the film, a prequel as of sorts, called Godzilla Awakening. There will be a link in the show notes to Legendary's press release about that. I'm sure I will be checking that out, as I'm sure many of you will be as well. Also, images of what we are assuming is a two-foot-tall Godzilla figure from Jack's Pacific have been found online. There will be links in the show notes. I think there will be links to that. I'm pretty sure those are still available online. More Godzilla 2014 news. It is also rumored that a new trailer is going to be available or online February 7th. So, fingers crossed on that. I'm not sure if it's true or not. This is just a rumor. I'd say about half the time the rumors turn out to be lame and false, and other times they actually, you know, hit the mark. Now, if you're a fan of older kaiju films, which, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I would assume you are, there have been new Blu-rays and DVDs announced from a company, a brand new company called Kraken Releasing. Get it? Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Godzilla vs. Hedra, and Godzilla vs. Gigan are all going to be released uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. They don't look like they're going to have any extras aside from both the English and the, uh, or sorry, the international English, I should say, and the uh, original Japanese languages. But for those who never had an opportunity to get those films when they were available from Sony, here's your chance. Now, don't lose out. These are available May 6th. There will be a link in the show notes to Sci-Fi Japan's article about that. Speaking of DVD Blu-ray releases, this one's specifically Blu-ray, apparently King Kong vs. Godzilla and King Kong Escapes are both bound for the Blu-ray treatment as well. Uh, and this is from Universal Home Entertainment on April 8th. There will be a link to the Screonk.com article and I really hope that the Japanese version of these films is also released. But, you know, I'm just not holding out hope. It'd be really cool if all of these releases got, like, star-quality Blu-ray treatment. But, you know, these are probably just attempts at cashing in on Godzilla's popularity. Just a couple of extra items on the news list. SH Monster Arts has announced its brand new figures that it's going to be releasing, and it's my worst fear, of course. Bachelor Larva is on that list. <laughs> Bachelor Larva and Mothra Larva. I guess there are two, maybe? Uh, they are both on deck for, I believe, a June or July release of this year. There's a link in the notes for Sci-Fi Japan's article about that. I gotta say, you guys... Bachelor Larva looks really good. I'm really interested in seeing how it articulates, though. Uh, if it articulates a lot, I'm gonna have to buy it. And the last news item to talk about in this episode is Toho's Godzilla website got an extreme makeover. You may remember a little while ago, maybe I think a month or so ago, they had like 
an interactive game, I guess you could call it, where you could make Godzilla as a silhouette, walk through a silhouette of a city and, you know, blast his breath and jets fly by, blah, blah, blah. That is cool and everything, but it's compared to what the website looks like now, it's who cares about that that little game. The new website has some really cool features. One, it's got articles about new products that are coming out. Right now they have you know, an article about the Batra and Mothra, SH Monster Arts figures. Uh, the other cool thing that this this does is it has an interview section. So hopefully they're gonna they're gonna talk to people. And uh, the best part about it is there is a, a full list of the movies, and every movie has details about it, including some really awesome photos, stuff I've never even seen before. Uh, it's just really cool. Go check it out. There will be a link in the show notes, of course. Now, moving on, I want to announce a brand new segment here on the KaijuCast. Hopefully this works out for a monthly event on the Daikaiju discussion episodes. We are going to start something called This Month in Kaiju History. Now, if you've been around the G-Block, you've seen Jay Grimmer's postings online detailing the daily connections to the current date with historical tokusatsu-related events. These are just a sliver, what I'm saying here, just a tiny bit of what he notes on his blog. I'll have a link in the show notes to his blog, so please check that out for even more cool kaiju-related things. Did you know that January is a big month for kaiju-related stuff? I'm actually pretty sure every month is with the detail that he's gone to here. And like I said, this is just a, just a sample of, of what's gone on just in January throughout the history of uh, kaiju Iega. January 1st, 1929, Haruo Nakajima was born. January 1st, 1936, Kumi Mizuno was born. Uh, you know, Miss Namikawa from Monster Zero. January 2nd, 1926, Hideo Amamoto was born. That's the guy who played Doctor Who. Shinpei the Toymaker in Godzilla's Revenge. Uh, Isayama in Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra. And seriously, a lot more. Keiko Sawai was born on January 2nd, 1945. She's the one who plays Fuji's sister, Haruno in Monster Zero. Did you know on January 2nd, 1966, Ultra Q premiered on Japanese TV with Defeat Gomez? January 2nd, 1968, Aegon the Atomic Dragon premiered on Japanese TV. January 2nd, 1971, Spectre Man started broadcasting on Japanese television. January 4th, 1944, Masato Shimone, the songwriter from the Jet Jaguar Punch 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 song, that guy, he was born. Rinko Kikuchi was born on January 6th, 1981. January 8th, 1912, Susumu Fujita was born. He's a regular character actor used in the Toho Showa series. Shelly Sweeney, who was the android chick in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1993. And she played the uh, captain of the Eclair, a hilarious, like, Atragon ship name in Final Wars. Anyway, she was born January 11th, 1966. On January 14th, 1981, Chiharu Niyama was born. That's the lead actress in GMK. Ted Cassidy, who did Godzilla's Roar from the 70s animated series from Hanna-Barbera, died on January 16th of 1979 during heart surgery. January 18th, 1947, Takashi Beat Kitano is born, which, by the way, I just found out from Jay's blog that he played Take Majin in the Monster X sequel, giving me another reason to watch that film. <laughs> January 19th, 1999, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla and Godzilla vs. Destroya were released on DVD by Sony. 
Masaki Tezuka was born in January on January 24th, 1955. January 24th, 2011, Godzilla King of the Monsters were released on Blu-ray from uh, Criterion. January 25th, 1970, Eiji Tsuburaya dies of a heart attack at the age of 68. January 29th, 1927, Peter Fernandez was born. And the last one I have here, January 29th, 1981, Kip Hamilton dies at the age of 45 in Los Angeles. There are literally hundreds more things to expect from Jay's blog. I don't know if I'll necessarily read that many. These are just the highlights from what I found going through each day of January. So I'm really looking forward to this segment. Jay's been doing this stuff for ages, so I'm sure every year he gets more and more information to post on his blog. And uh, I think it's really cool. Hopefully you like it too. And moving on to some housekeeping items, I will be at... Kirk Von Hammett's Fear Fest Evil in San Francisco to see Haruo Nakajima and Ben Furuya. Fingers crossed on uh, being able to interview them for a future episode. That takes place February 7th and 8th. Check out the Facebook page for our listener party. We're going to be gathering, I believe, Saturday, February 8th at Route 101, which is a bar just like up the street, like I think a block away from the Regency Ballroom, which is where the Fear Fest Evil will be taking place. And uh, it should be cool. Kick back, have a couple beers, talk about Godzilla. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please check out the link in the show notes to both the show and the listener party. March 28th through the 30th, Emerald City Comic Con is happening in Seattle, and I was approved for a panel. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be recording that panel for a future episode, and we might actually have a listener party while I'm up there as well. Last time it was a ton of fun. We went to the tap room, but, uh, you know, that's a month down the road or over a month down the road. So let's just come to that when we come to it. Uh, Also, April 18th through the 20th, WonderCon is being held in Anaheim, and I am going to try my best to get there. That's all I pretty much have for events. There are, of course, many more events happening later in the year, but let's save those for another date. Uh, Another housekeeping item. I just want to give a shout-out to some new Kaiju Corps members. The colonels who have joined are Scott Martin and Matthew Grace. The uh, corporal who joined is Charlie Emery of the Spooky Pinball Podcast. Uh, And we have some cadets. Some Kaiju cadets have joined. Uh, Please welcome Aaron, Frankie, Bug, Olivia, and Clark to the Kaiju Corps. I really appreciate you guys joining. It really means a lot. Unfortunately, I had a really lame snafu with the original patch company that I was dealing with. So without going too much into it, if you really want to know the details, feel free to contact me via email. Uh, But I, I basically had to reverse the charges on my credit card because they did not deliver the patches. And... uh, And uh, so I had to source it from another company. Now, the good news about that is that I did actually place the order. Patches should be in progress. I'm not sure when I'm going to get them, but they look really cool. At least the proof does. The lanyards are next. And then after that, the sticker packs. And then once I get all that stuff, I can start shipping stuff out to people. Okay, I think it's time to wrap things up. Uh, Once again, don't forget Mothra versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus the Thing is our next Daikaiju discussion. It is available from Amazon. Amazon Instant Video. I know at one point it was on Netflix. It might even be on Hulu Plus. There's lots and lots of options out there. Not to mention, there's like many different DVD releases. So I'm just going to say, if you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com. You can download every single episode we've done, not to mention see the list of Daikaiju discussions. There's a contact form there. Uh, All of the links to our social media websites are there as well. 
We will be back with another episode at the beginning of February. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to everybody who joined in the Daikaiju discussion for their homework. These are the last two songs we're going to play of the night, starting with the Gamera theme song as performed by the local group here, Film Music. You may have heard me talk about them on a previous episode. Uh, They put on these amazing shows where basically they do all the Foley voices and music uh, to the Gamera film. This one in particular was Gamera versus Giron. Uh, This is for Brother D from the Monster Kid Radio podcast. And then after that, we are going to play a little something for myself. Until next month, Jamata. Mr. Turtle, but my stupid mom made me let you go. Soon you will be a giant monster and blow flames out your leg hole. The bad space woman has come, and you must save the earth. Come on, sacrifice yourself. Shake your booty, Gamera. Get down, Gamera. Open your mouth and burn them all to death. Everybody, open your mouth and burn them all to death.